Welcome to the Healing Courageously podcast, where we engage in open, honest, and healthy conversation about everything from addiction, abuse, and recovery to marriage, family, and spirituality. We hope you find this podcast helpful. Our goal is that you will find a new way of living as you look closer at yourself in these areas of your life, which will lead to a happier and healthier you. Now here's your host, Randy Boyd. Greetings, and thank you for joining us on this episode of Healing Courageously. On this episode, I'm going to be talking about never forgetting. And that's kind of a uh, a subject that for abuse survivors or whether it's sexual abuse, emotional abuse, spiritual abuse, physical abuse, all that. You know, oftentimes uh, during my, the course of my life and every survivor I've talked to, we've heard these same words. And, and they're, I'm going to ask right off the bat, and I'll say it a couple of different times, I want you to forget these three words I'm going to tell you. You'll never use them again with a, with a survivor or somebody that's struggling with something that happened in the past. And there's three words, and then there's a couple other I'm going to add to it. But the three words are, you just need... To forgive, forget, and move on. Well, there's a last thing that survivors need to hear are those words. Along with, man, it happened so long ago, it's time to get over it. Move on with your life. We hear it all the time. I hear it coming out of people's mouths all the time. The people I work with, they've heard it all their lives. And so it's like... Please remove those words from your vocabulary. Now, all that being said, it is important. It is important that we do learn to forgive. Now, forgiving is a process, and it depends on the the amount of trauma that was done to you, of how long it will take. And, and I've talked to several people, and they're just they're dead set. I'll never forgive the person for doing this to me. Well, you know, we could go into that whole thing, forgiveness. It says, you know, especially if you're a believer in Christ, then it's, it's what I always say. You Either God is everything or God is nothing. So you can't have it both ways. He either is or he's not. And if that's the truth, then the Bible tells us, and count, not countless, several different areas that if you want to be forgiven, you must forgive. It's a commandment from Jesus. It's a commandment from God. Be forgiven, you must forgive. Okay, but that being said, like I say, that's a process. Now, how long that process can take depends where in their journey they're starting. One, two, how how much of uh, trauma, how bad the trauma was that happened to them, right? And then the person working with them. See, the number one tool, I think, the number one most important thing, and Look it, I'm going to say something. I love my therapist. Deborah Mike, she saved my life. She was a phenomenal, in my eyes, phenomenal therapist. She knew exactly how to talk to me. But a lot of therapists, when it comes to trauma, when it comes to abuse, they're clueless. Therapists will even go as far as saying, it's just time to move on. Right? 
it's time to move on. Now, <clears throat> there comes a point in our life, like I say, that the forgiveness process, we have to start it somewhere. Now, you know, if my wife does something to offend me or hurt me or whatever, and, and, and she comes up and she says, I'm sorry, Randy, I, I didn't mean to do that to you. And I know my wife. It, forgiveness happens like that. And certain types of forgiveness can happen like that. But the deep-rooted trauma in our lives, the deep-rooted pain that, you know, that we, for so many years, we, 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 we carry this hate, this anger, this bitterness around from what happened to us. That's, that's been brewing in us for a long time. So that's going to take a little longer. That's going to take a mentor or a coach or even a counselor or whatever, however you want to look at it, whoever it is. They've got to be willing to sit down with you and hear what you're saying. See, mine started on the forgiveness process when I was able to sit with my, my counselors and Betty Ford and my therapist and get mad at God. Get mad at my mother and my stepfather. When I was able to express that anger and how mad I was at it and then work through that process, there's a lot of work that has to be done. Some people can do it quicker than others. Not everybody's the same, but the majority of people that I have worked with, it doesn't happen quickly. Hardly ever does it happen quickly. Right? So forgiving is yes. I will say this, that if you want to be truly free and happy, we must get to the point of forgiveness. I'm going I'm to get to forgetting. That's part of this whole deal. And then we talk about forgetting, right? We must forgive. We must forget in order to move on. Right? Well, let's go right over to move on, okay? Let's go right over to move on at this point in time. We want to get to the point where we can move on. We can move past our pain. All right, the majority of it. That that's definitely a goal we want to have. I didn't want to stay stuck in, in the, the the minutia that I was stuck in for so many years. I wanted to move past it, but I didn't know how to do that myself. All right. So forgetting, I mean, forgiving, and moving on are are two musts if we want to be truly happy and free. Now, when it comes to forgetting. I've got to tell you, for anybody to tell you to forget your past, it's the wrong thing to say. Right? Um, here's, here's, what I, here's what I look at now. Right. One, if I forget where I came from, if I forget what happened to me, then I'm going to be right back to where I was. If I forget where I came from, if I forget what happened to me, then I won't be able to help people the way I can help them today because I'll have no recollection of, of anything. Right? What Isaiah 43.18 says, and this is biblical, forget the former things, do not dwell. Do not dwell on the past. So for survivors of any kind of abuse, however minor it is. Our problem is not that we haven't forgotten. It's that we dwell in it. We live in it. It consumes everything about us. At a sub, a lot of, it's at a subconscious level. You're not going around just, oh, you know, this happened. That's not what it is. It's at a subconscious level. And over the course of the years, we've developed these, 
these great survival skills, great survival skills, and they've got us to this certain point in, in our life, and they quit working out. Not all, some, most, whatever. And so what we want to do is, is, is we, need to, we need to look at that. And those survival skills formed who we are today. And many of those survival skills, in fact, are not defects. They just need to be mm, refined. And let's make them assets. There's different ways to use some of those defects of character that are now bothering you, that are hindering you from moving on in life. And we just have to have that good mentor, right? A good coach, a good counselor that's going to help us reshape those defects of character. But we can't stay stuck in the past. So why do we dwell on the past for so long? Right? Why? Because we've never been allowed to talk about it to the point to where people will actually sit down with us. People will hear us. And people will coach us through the process. People won't sit there and try to fix us. Nobody, nobody can fix anybody except for the Almighty God. And even he requires action on your part. All we can do as human beings, and the best thing we can do on human beings, is to love them, meet them where they're at, listen to them, try to understand them, right? Empathize with them. That's the best thing. That's what people need. There's a scripture in 1 Corinthians 1.18. The talk to cross to those that are perishing is foolishness. To talk the cross to those that are perishing is foolishness, but to those that are that are with God is power. So sometimes we talk foolishness to people that just, they don't need to be talked to. They need to be heard. And then in Isaiah 19, the last part of it says, I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. That's our healing journey. I've got to navigate my way through the wasteland. I've got to navigate my way through this wilderness. I've been traveling for 40, for me it was 38 years. I was traveling in this, in this terrible wasteland. So that journey for some is easy, for some is hard. But what works for me won't necessarily work for the next person. What works for me in general principalities will work for other people. But how they apply those things might not be the same way as I apply them. Might not be the same way as you apply them. We go to Romans 12 too. More about forgetting, right? Romans 12 too. And I want you to hear these words very carefully. Do not conform, do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world. So we have to change our thinking. We can't be conformed to the ways of the world they are and the, and the ways that we live. For I, I can't, you know, how many years you might have lived. For me, it was 38 years. I was conforming to the world's way because that's the only way that I felt that I was understood. I stood. People in the church didn't understand me. I mean, I, I, that's a whole other subject right there, but it's time to quit conforming to the ways of the world. Tells us in Romans 12, 2. It says, But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
both transformed and renewing our action words. So in other words, quit conforming. We don't want you anymore to conform to the ways of the world. It, 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 it's, it's not working. It's not, it's not which, what we really need to do to find the peace, the happiness, and the freedom that we want. But instead, start your transformation process. It says be transformed, not you were transformed. It says be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. So now tell me, how can you renew your mind? I mean, for 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 40 years, all you have is your mind. You've been doing thing, things your way for so long. And, and granted, what happens with abuse survivors, so many of us, we, as we go through life, we develop in these patterns because we are conforming to the ways of the world. We, a lot of us didn't have healthy uh, parental guidance growing up. Now, I, I don't want to blame their, the thing with this is like we have to look at our parenthood, at our parents. We have to look at our growing up. We have to look at our background. It, it, we have to. It's a must because that is why we are the way we are today. But our parents did the best that they could do. Even if they were molesting you and beating you, as was done with me, you said, well, Randy, how can that be the best that they could do? Well, they didn't know any better. What were they taught? So we look at, we have to find the root of your issue. We can't worry about the root of our abuser's issues because we'll never get that. So we look at the root of our issue, and then we can start solving our issues. Because as time goes on, we fall into this pattern, and it looks right to us. It looks right if you're looking at the way the world is. Okay? So it, it's, we have to transform our mind. We have to renew our mind. When we do that, by hanging with people right, that are healthy, that want to see us grow, okay, and can teach us the right ways. It's a process. Forgiveness is a process. Transforming a mind that's got years of behaviors and actions and beliefs engraved in it is a hard thing to do. Oftentimes, I'll ask people that I work with, can you do me a favor? I want you to forget everything you've learned in life up until now. Yeah, not forever. But it's a way of, let's, like, let's clear your mind of what you think you know. And let's look at new ways that you can live. I, I, look, at, I look at it this way, and, I, and again, I speak to everybody, and, and, I, and I give them this, this bit of, guidance that if we can look at everybody that's come across our life whether it's for a second a minute, an hour a day a lifetime, whatever it is look at everybody that we come, that comes across our path in life as a teacher I think we'd be a lot better off it might just be that you're thinking one day, man, this life is terrible. You know, I just tired of this life. I, maybe it's just better to go, just to just to give up on everything, right? And just go live on the streets somewhere. I'm tired of this crap. And you got that thought, and all of a sudden you see some 
homeless guy walking by you with two baskets and you know, all of his belongings and he's got hair down to his shoulders he's dirty unshaven or, or she's got dirty pants on her hair is all matted wow i'm glad i saw that because i don't want to be like that that's a lesson so we got to quit looking at things like why did that happen to me well how about well, what can i learn from it so everybody that comes across your path in your life is a teacher. And then you look at everything that happens in your life as a lesson. Everything. Whatever it is. Being abused. What kind of lesson is there there, Randy? For me, the lesson was, I don't want to be that way. I don't want to treat my kids that way. I never want my kids to feel the hate towards me that I felt for years towards my mother and my stepfather. I had an employer that treated his, his, and me being his number one guy, treated his employees pretty terribly. A lot of false promises that he never held up on, a lot of different things. And I swore that I would never, ever be like him. My stepfather that I worked for, he was, he was just, he was, he was psycho. I learned from them, that's not how you treat employees. If you want your employees to be loyal to you, you got to be loyal to your employees. And I built the business over 20 years from two guys to 80 guys. And when people knew that I had was needing employees to go to work, they were knocking my front door down. I got people to, today, 11 years after, 10 years after we've closed the doors, that when they see me in front of their bosses, they say, this is the best man I ever worked for because I treated him with respect. I was a man of my words. If they needed to talk about something, my door was open. So I learned everything from my past. Was it all bad? Well, a lot of things that happened to me were bad, but what's the good lesson that I can take away from it? What's the good lessons that you can take away from it? You know, I grew up, well, not I grew up, I, my, my, when my kids were playing ball, my, my son playing ball, there was parents on that ball field that, man, just, they disgust me the way they treated their children. I certainly didn't want to be like them. I mean, I was pretty rowdy as a coach and as a dad on the ball field, but nothing compared to some of the fathers I've seen out there that just belittle their children in front of hundreds of people. I don't want to be like that. So what can you learn from people? What can you learn from things that happen to you? It's always, let's look, what can I learn from this? Right or wrong? Why does it have to be right or why does it have to be wrong? Why did you have to fail? Who says it's a failure? They're words that people create. You worked, you thought about a process that you were going to move forward with on some, some agenda or whatever it might be. You thought it through, you penciled it out, you might have even talked to your parents or mentors. You did everything and it didn't come out the way you wanted it to. It might have even flopped for all we know. You're not a failure. It's not wrong. And it's not right. How about if we sit down and say, wow, I saw the work as a mentor, as a parent, as a coach, whatever. Man, I, I saw the work you put into that, son. I saw how much time you put into it and the research you did on it. So let's not look at it as a failure, because it's not a failure. It'd be only being a failure if you wouldn't have tried and, and or if you wouldn't have done it and if you stay down on the ground. So 
let's sit down and figure out what we can do differently the next time you have one of these projects come up that's gonna come out, have, have the outcome that you really desire to have. There's always gonna be room for improvement, but don't look at it as a failure or right or wrong. That, that's, that's pathetic. Learn from it so that next time you can do better. Remember, we're climbing up along a, 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 a bunch of steps on ladders. We're learning every day in life. I'm 64, I'm still learning. The day, you could learn, the day we quit learning is the day that we die emotionally and spiritually, or that we're literally dead. So when I look back, when we, when we say, look back on the past, Look in the rear of the mirror, but don't dwell there. Right? And sometimes it's like, I need to look back to see how far I've come. So if I forgot the past, what would I have to compare myself today with compared to that, that 15 years ago? There's a tremendous amount of growth. Even though as human beings, we rarely see our own growth. Usually people got to call it out on us and we have a hard time believing it. So we have to, we don't want to forget our past. I want to look back and go, man, look how far I've come. Or maybe I need inspiration about something. Like I rode my bike across America in 2017 and, and it still left such an impression on me in 2017. This is a true story in 2017 that I want to do it again. I learned a lot on that trip. I don't want to forget what I learned. God speak to me. The Holy Spirit speak to me. I don't want to forget that stuff. Because if I forget it, then when I'm in trouble today, what do I have to look at? Instead, it's like when I got sober and I was having such a hard time with the God that I wanted nothing to do with. But yet I looked and every time I was in trouble, every time, I mean, someone was bad trouble. Who did I call out to? I called out to the God that I was having a problem with. Right? And he answered every one of my prayers. Every one of them. So we need to be able to look back. We, we don't want to forget some things. Right? Sometimes I need to look back and say, okay, wait a minute. Was it really that bad? Oh, yeah, now, yeah, now I remember. Yeah, okay. I don't want to go back to, I don't ever want to go back to where I was. Never. My wife, Kathy, she used to tell everybody that when I first got sober and was in recovery, I just want the Randy I married back. And rightfully so. I mean, I understand that. But what she, what she would tell you today, it's like I got that and so much more back. I got that and so much more back. But if I forget, I'll be in trouble. If you ever get in those, those situations, right? Play the tape all the way through. I, I mean, I've been there. I know people that have been there. Play the tape all the way through because a lot of times when the enemy catches us at a weak point, boy, sure looks good on this side. It absolutely looks good on this side. But we can't stay stuck on this side. 
We need to play tape all the way through and remember what it was like on the other side of that good stuff. Remember the pain and the agony you went through. You got to remember all that stuff. It's got to, I, I can tell you this right now that your brain, I'm not going around on a daily basis thinking about all my stuff in the past. It's not, I don't do that. It comes up when it needs to come up. It comes up if I'm triggered by something that I know I still have to work on. It comes up when I'm talking to other people so that I can relate to them how it was and what it's like today. So play the movie all the way through. Look through the glass that you're sitting in front of you, that nice, tall, cold beer or Jack Daniels, and cold, whatever it is, the margarita, the... Think of it. Martini. Right. Yeah, on this side, man, it looks good. It's a tall beer would walk by me as I'm sitting at a beach on the restaurant. I go, man, that looks good. Can I just have one? No, I can't have one because there's no such thing as one thing all I need. Because on the other side of that glass, when that glass gets empty, there's always more behind it. It doesn't take but one for the guy like me, for a lot of people. Play the tape all the way through. And if you think that you have overcome what's on the other side of the glass, go ahead, drink. Go ahead, see what happens. Not many people I know, matter of fact, no, none of the people I know that have tried that experiment have come out on the good side. We've got to look through the glass. And I look to the past also a lot. Well, like I said earlier, for my inspiration in my head. I spent today, before I recorded this, this podcast, at the ball field with um, all but two of my grandkids. They were, they were with their, their father, but my two grandsons and my granddaughter was, was playing softball. Am I, still, am I supposed to forget when I'm at a baseball field and watching my grandkids play ball? I'm playing with my grandsons. Am I supposed to forget about the years that I coached my son and my daughter was coached by my wife? Am I supposed to forget about all that? No. Because I learned a lot. My son is, is, is in part the son he is today because of what he learned on the baseball field playing it for um, several years. He played ball. Probably 17 years. No, I don't want to forget that. I, I, don't want to, I don't want to forget the times with my dad, my, my real father. I don't want to forget the time that we were at the Kern River and, and he was down fishing. And he'd been gone for a couple hours. And a couple hours later, he comes walking back. And we got this coffee can full of little tiny frogs, you know, um, just small, small frogs. And he pulls out this baggie of water with a bunch of water snakes in it. I don't want to forget that. I don't want to forget the excitement I have. I don't want to forget when we took those, those little water snakes and put them in that can of, of frogs for, for overnight and we woke up in the morning and the only thing left were, were snakes. The snakes ate the frogs. I don't want to forget about the time that we were camping at Kern River and he let me ride his, I, was, I don't know, I was probably 10, maybe 11. He let me ride his little Suzuki 90 around. And I can remember going, running, trying to turn a circle and I ran into a boulder. 
I don't want to forget that when I went to him and said, Dad, I crashed a motorcycle. Can you come help me? Daddy compassionately helped me. He didn't scream or yell at me, told me I was an idiot or none of that stuff. He just came over, picked the motorcycle back up, and walked back with me. I don't want to forget about that stuff. I don't want to forget about the morning he woke up early to, to find a little hole for, for me to fish trout in on the river. After breakfast, he took me over and set me up, and that little hole was full of all these little trout. I don't want to forget that stuff. Those are memories that, I, that I'll cherish forever. So how can, how, how can you tell me to forget the bad, but not the good? It doesn't work that way. Now, not dwell on the past, not dwell on the bad, yeah, absolutely. We don't want to dwell on it. But until somebody has reached the bottom in their life, until somebody has got to such a point that they want help and they're willing to do anything to change, to save their life, until somebody's got to the point to where they're willing to do that hard work, and I mean, it's hard work. It's not easy. And to walk along with a mentor, they're not going to give up. I'm going to roll over to my desk here. There's something I want to read in closing. I should have got it out and I didn't. Hopefully I can find it. It's, it's something about the wilderness. And it's really, it's really, really a good reading, and hopefully I got it right, got it right here. It's like it says in Isaiah 43:19, I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And I was going through something with my therapist. It was really tough. This is by um, uh, Ayana Van Zandt. I am advanced science called Out of the Wilderness. Right. Now, the, the opening's kind of, well, you'll see. It talks about the spiritual wilderness, out of the wilderness. Spiritual wilderness is not a place for spiritual punks. Like I said, the opening's <laughs> not, a, not a place for spiritual punks or wimps, and it's not. In fact, those who are not seriously committed, seriously committed to their spiritual well-being will never be invited into the wilderness. Invited, that's a key word. The wilderness is a place of deflation where only masters are taken. They are invited in to strengthen and refine themselves in preparation for something exquisitely divine. Moses was invited into the wilderness, even though he never made it to the promised land. And so was Christ. The wilderness is a place of spiritual dryness and desolation where we find ourselves tempted to believe in thirst and helplessness. We feel lost, alone, and doomed for destruction. The stands of past regrets and future fears whip around so violently. We are tempted to shield our eyes and bury our heads. The structures of our beliefs, our habits, and creatures comfort stand like trees blocking the path. In the wilderness, we are scorched by the internal heat of self-denial, self-debasement, and self-loathing. And we are overwhelmed by beliefs of self-righteousness, self-importance, and self-reliance. 
What's unfortunate is we don't sh we don't know how we got to this place. The good news is it is also the most fortunate aspect. Since we have no idea how we got where we are, we must become totally dependent on spirit within. Oh, I'm sorry. Totally dependent on something within ourselves to get us out of ourselves. In the wilderness, we become fully reliant on God. Fully reliant on God. However long the wilderness experience lasts, we eventually come to the profound awareness, I am not alone and I cannot do this alone. Any attempt to move through the wilderness without intimate connection, communication, and dependence on spirit within will leave us panting in the heart of our deflated self-importance. Being in the wilderness is not an indication of having done something wrong. In fact, it is a result of giving your spiritual identity the deepest attention you can muster. The wilderness is the quest of many, the privilege of few. Consequently, there is no way to ask for it. It just happens when we are ready, aligned, and most unsuspecting. The wilderness is a divine experience. Self-mastery is not the result. It is the invitation. My offering for all wilderness experience is keep breathing. Now that is a, um, my therapist gave me that to read on a day that I was, at a time that I was absolutely struggling with everything that it says right there. And that's pretty much, I mean, if you think about Jesus' walk through the wilderness, I, I bet he experienced a lot of that. It's just like few are called, many are, or many are called, but few are chosen. It's the same thing. You're, you're, you're invited into this. You have to be ready for this. I will, I will tell you this. I, I, I talked to my therapist on several different occasions. In doing so, as I speak to you now, I'm reminded that the answer to the question that I asked, and the question was this, is, Deborah, why me? Why has my recovery been such a success? And the answer lies in that reading I just gave you right there. And she says, Randy, there's two reasons besides that. A lot of the answers are in that reading I just gave you. But one is because you have God on your side. And two, you're willing to do the hard work when you journey through the wilderness. Because there's times when it's lonely. There's times when you think nobody understands you. So, moving forward, please, I will ask you, remove the words you just need to forgive, forgive, and move on from your vocabulary. And also remove the words you just need to get over it. It happened a long time ago. What's Why are you still holding on to it? Forget about those words. Instead, ask, wow, that must be painful. Is there anything I can do for you? It's real simple. We'll never forget. Because if I forget, I'll be right back where I was 16 years ago. And I never, ever, ever want to go back.
Thanks for joining me on this episode. I want to remind you also about my websites, thecourageoushealers.org. Courageoushealers.org is a website for our foundation where we help uh, men and, and, and their families heal from the scars of sexual abuse. We also work with women as well, but mostly men still from those, those scars of sexual abuse. Also, changeyourlifestorynow.com, changeyourlifestorynow.com. That is my coaching page. So if you're interested in getting some life coaching, counseling, whatever, check that out. You can just fill out the contact form on either courageousheaters.org or changeyourlifestorynow.com's webpage. Fill out the, the contact form, send it off to me, and I'll get back to you. Let me know what you might want to do. And then let me know um, how I can help you. And I usually get back to you within a couple hours of receiving the email. So um, during these times right now, things are really tough. A lot of suicides, a lot of drug addiction, a lot of marriages are struggling. My wife and I do marriage counseling. We, we counseled several people. We, we do um, an assessment called the, the Symbus Assessment. It's not a psychological exam. It's not none of that stuff. This is a powerful assessment that you do. Both the husband and wife do it separately. And then it's about a 20-page assessment review. And then once once they fill out this assessment, then we get together with them and we go over the assessment. It really opens up. It's a way... You can really, it, it helps you really understand your spouse, where your spouse is coming from. Uh, I, I can't explain how, it's 99.9% accurate with everybody we've done it for right now. 99.9% accurate. So it's a great assessment thing. It's a, uh, it takes anywhere from four to eight hours to go through the assessment on different settings. So Again, you can check out the website, Courageous Hugh. I'm sorry, uh, changeyourlifestorynow.com and, and mention that. And we'd be glad to help you on that journey. And we can do it on on, on, uh, on Zoom, although we prefer in-person. We're an in-person family here, so that's up to you. Also, I want to remind you about my books, Healing the Wounded Child Within. Healing the Wounded Child Within. It is on, in, you get it at Amazon, on paperback, Kindle, and Audible. And it is being, at this point in time, I, I think it's getting pretty close. i got to check with them. But it is being translated into Spanish at this time. I've had several requests over the last couple of years. And I finally found somebody that would do it and help me out as far as the cost. So I'm grateful for that. And then also the 30-Day Devotional to Wholeness and my 7-Day Challenge Workbook, which goes to uh, along with Healing the Wounded Child Within. Those are both also available on Amazon and paperback. And uh, devotional is also available on Kindle. So check those out. Appreciate it. And if you have, if you checked out the books, any of them, please leave a uh, please, please leave a uh, review for me. I really appreciate it. So again, like I say, thank you for joining me on this episode, and we will see you on the next. And remember, if nobody tells you they love you today, Randy does. But more importantly, more importantly. God does. Be blessed, everyone. This has been Healing Courageously with Randy Boyd. We will have a new episode every Monday. Please like us on iTunes or Google Play. If you would like to know more about the services available from Randy, 
please visit him at changeyourlifestorynow.com. Thank you for spending time with us. We'll see you next week. And remember, if nobody tells you they love you today, Randy does.